Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, we're continuing to highlight our recent Skill Corps trip to India. Our Skill Corps volunteer program is an opportunity for self-advocates, family members, and professionals to travel to our international partner sites and collaborate with local stakeholders on employment initiatives in their communities. In this week's episode, you'll hear from some of our Skill Corps team members about their personal experiences and takeaways. I led this professionally diverse team of 21 global visionaries who were complete strangers before they met for orientation in New York. During our trip, they formed friendships that will last a lifetime. The following testimonies are from Abby Gearing, Cheryl Albright, Danielle Terrell, Haley Perez, Melissa Batterscher, Morgan Ferguson, Natalie Woods, Belen Buenrostro, Kelsey Larsh, TJ Larum, Jenny Niemeyer-Heden, and Angie Gilmore. In today's episode, you'll hear excerpts about moments from the trip that surprised, inspired, and moved our Skill Corps volunteers, global collaboration, sustainability, the Global Autism Project's model of do with, not for, personal and professional growth, leadership, each team member's post-trip commitment to their own community, and tips for future Skill Corps travelers. In this episode, discover what's possible when you take the leap. We're currently taking Skill Corps applications for travel in 2024. Join us today at skillcorps.globalautismproject.org and use the coupon code AUTISMPODCAST to waive the application fee. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community on Mighty Networks at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you Skill Corps Team India. I am Abby Chambers. I'm a BCBA and I am located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Right now I work for a company that does in-home therapy. So I work with RBTs and we go into different homes and work with individuals and their families. My name is Cheryl Albright. I currently live in Bradenton, Florida. I've been an occupational therapist for 20 years, a yoga therapist and an autism sibling. Hello, my name is Danielle Terrell. I'm originally from New York and currently live in the state of Massachusetts. I've worked with individuals on the autism spectrum as young as two, all the way throughout different stages of life in different settings. I work as a transition specialist and now I am a Skill Corps alum, which is very excited to say finally. <laughs> 
I am Haley Perez. I am from New Jersey and I currently live in New York City. I work as a behavior analyst and I'm licensed in the state of New York. I have a history of working in a neuro rehab stabilization facility for a really long time. That's where I learned all of my behavior analytic skills. And now I apply those skills to a nonprofit organization that does therapy, rehabilitation, early intervention, case management, Basically, every single hat under the New York City sun helped them out with their ABA and autism expertise. My name is Melissa Batisher, and I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I work as an art therapist and counselor um, with specialization in child and adolescent development. My name is Morgan Ferguson. I am from Massachusetts, and I've been an ABA in a school setting, a public school setting for almost four years now. My name is Natalie and I'm from England. I work with children with autism from age two up to age 11, both in uh, private settings at home and in school settings as well and in preschools. My name is Belen Buenrostro from Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm a board certified behavior analyst. My name is Kelsey Larsh. I am originally from Michigan and am currently working as a BCBA, completing travel contracts around the U.S. I'm TJ Larum. I am a BCBA currently living in Memphis, Tennessee, and providing oversight and clinical services to BCBAs across West Tennessee and Alabama. Originally from Minnesota, graduated from St. Cloud State, not once but twice with my community psychology degree in ABA emphasis and then a master's in ABA. And that is, uh, in a nutshell, who I am. I provided services across the age and ability spectrum across just about every setting they've allowed me to help people in. Hi, I'm Jenny Niemeyer Heaton. Some people know me as Jennifer, that's my more formal name. I am an owner of ABA Center International based in Amsterdam. I'm also a nurse registered in the Netherlands, as well as a board certified behavior analyst. I have um, three adult children who have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. They are successfully integrated adults now, and I've learned so much from them. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Hi, my name's Angelica Gilmore. I currently live in Southern California, and I have been a BCBA for a little over two years now. Skillcore trips are full of opportunities to expand minds and shift perspectives about autism globally. A sim is a specific moment that leaves someone feeling surprised, inspired, or moved. We often do SIM checks throughout Skillcore trips as a way for everyone to share how they're feeling after an activity. Here's the team recounting some of their most memorable SIMs. Even just the beginning of the trip, we had orientation in New York with all of our team members from the United States and some of the global autism staff. And just from those couple hours we spent together was so inspiring and being surrounded by people whose passion and their whys really expand beyond their, maybe their nine to five or their professional title into this advocacy work and going on these trips. So from the beginning, I was already just inspired and motivated by 
different stories and the different leadership activities that we started, which made us really think about how we have impacted the field and how much potential there is for everyone. And that's not just, it could be at home, it could be abroad, it could be in a lot of different spaces, supporting a lot of individuals. So that's really where it started. And being in India just opens up new opportunities and gives you the chance of listening and being present in a new setting. And you realize that from your personal experiences, you may find a lot of similarities in your work at home and in the community that you support. And then also you see the differences too. And hearing from the autistic self-advocates that um, were all adults, we got to spend a lot of time with them, which was really great. And particularly at the self-advocate dinner, hearing about their experiences in the world of employment and how their own culture and their own families, that their story is really significantly shaped by their world and how can we contribute and collaborate to increase the understanding and acceptance of autism. In particular, was very surprised, inspired, and moved, I would say, by hearing the stories of the self-advocates that we met in Delhi. It was very inspiring to see them um, share their stories, share their struggles, and then, you know, share their hopes and dreams for themselves. And I think it probably stuck with all of us, but in particular, you know, the one gentleman that mentioned, you know, we are humans just like the rest of you guys, and we want to be treated that way and have the same opportunities. I think that was really one of those moments that just stuck with me from the beginning of the trip, but throughout the whole thing. One of the things that has really stuck with me was a conversation that I had with a mom at one of the teas that we hosted, and she was talking about just kind of some of the cultural differences and how her and her husband had kind of a whole process of them learning to accept their son's autism and learn how to support him well. And she said that they had actually purchased like a storefront for him because in her brain, it was, okay, this is a good outlet for him. This is a job that he can do. We can help him manage this store. And so they bought this whole storefront, had this whole plan set up, trying to support him. But what she forgot to think about was whether or not he wanted to do that. And it turns out her son was very interested in graphic design. And so he now has gone kind of that way with things and has a job doing something in the graphic design field. But it was just like really cool to hear her kind of talk through that. And it was a good reminder for me too of like, okay, she had the best intentions and she wanted so badly to be a good support. And she was like, I had to relearn, okay, this is what I think this looks like, but I need to bring him in on this and make sure I'm doing this for what he's looking for and what he wants. And so that was just a really cool conversation that I tried to keep in my mind too, as I'm now going forward with the people that I'm working with. The one that stood out to me is when we went out to the Sharia Foundation and how well it was run and how happy everybody was. And it was a pleasant surprise because being in group homes here, most of the staff look like they're in survival mode themselves. And I didn't get that impression there. Like everybody seemed well taken care of. I love the, like the structure, diet, like things that we can't talk about here in the States. So that was probably my favorite. There were many moments on the trip that really inspired and moved me. And 
one of those experiences was driving through Delhi and seeing the living conditions for some of the people in India and particularly some of the children living in the streets. Some didn't have shoes, just very, very tough living conditions. And that was very difficult for me to accept and to digest. And it's just very different from what I've seen in the United States. And it really came full circle for me the following day when I was at the entrepreneur dinner and I got to talk with this really wonderful human. And he was telling me his story about how he grew up in the slums and how he has learning disabilities. And he was one of those children and he was able to better his own life and he was able to change his lifestyle to where he's at now. And where he's at now is he started his own business called Start and he is working with neurodiverse youth to help get them out of the slums and to help them better their lives. So not only was he able to do that for himself, but now he's helping others do the same. And that really just gave me so much hope and really just restored so much faith that yes, there is huge issues surrounding this topic, but yes, there is also people who really care and who are really passionate and who are doing what they can to help. I think a moment that really inspired and moved me came from our second high tea. It was when speaking with a couple of the NGOs, there was a self-advocate who you know, had been raised in the slums and had started his own organization to pull other children, especially those who are, have delays or more challenges, uh, those situations and get them back into school and back into working. And when we were speaking with him, we were able to connect with the Sharia Foundation, who has an amazing program where they're also pulling people out of their community that are struggling and helping them get all these really special skills so that they can work with individuals with autism and developmental disabilities. And just watching those two connect and kind of, I had the light bulb moment immediately of, oh my gosh, you guys should work together. That'd be amazing. And they had the same reaction to it and they quickly exchanged phone numbers, planned an event to meet later that week. And so just to see something happen so quickly and so amazing, that wouldn't have maybe happened if we hadn't had that event. It was just a connection. I, you know, they didn't really need me, but I knew what both of them did. So I was able to connect them. So I just think that was something that was so inspiring and it was so exciting. It was really, it really moved me. Oh my goodness. There were so many moments, but I would really have to talk about my night speaking in front of the parents. I am not a public speaker. So that definitely took me out of my comfort zone but I was able to speak about something that really means a lot to me, which is soft skills. And I think it's something that gets missed a lot because we're so focused on making sure that the child or adult is socially accepted. And there's just other things that we should be focusing on. And the parents were so receptive and so kind, and they actually had questions to what I was talking about and what my group was talking about, which was amazing to me. I was really inspired by Sangeeta. She was the founder of one of the centers that the Global Autism Project partners with. I found it really moving and inspiring to hear her story. 
of how her son was diagnosed with autism and she was told by the doctor to just go out there, do what you can do, find what you need to do to help your son. There was very limited resources for her. That kind of resonated with me because it is a bit like that in the UK. So when children get a diagnosis, actually it's often like that. They get told that they've got the diagnosis and then they sometimes get given a leaflet of things that they can do and go out and look for their children. So that did resonate with me. And um, yeah, I was really inspired to hear how she then travelled to Delhi to get more support. And then she went off to the States as well to try and get more support for her son and get services. And now she's running a centre. And I just think that the way she talks is just really, really inspiring. And it makes you feel like you can do so much more. And it makes you feel like you might just be one person, but you can do it. And other people will come and help you to do your mission. If you spread what your mission is and what you want to do, people will come and help you. Like she managed to partner partner with the Global Autism Project. And now she has this fantastic centre, which we were privileged enough to go and have a look around. And I just found her very inspiring. I think one of the most moving experiences, which wasn't just a single event, but that happened throughout the trip was hearing Sangeeta share with us how all of the work that we were doing in collaboration was positively impacting her bigger vision and what she was really seeing for the future of Sorum. So seeing all of those connections being built, seeing how she is seeing this bigger picture, having her passions being more fed into and how she's getting more inspired throughout this process. That was really exciting for me to see. I really enjoyed just getting to listen and absorb all the information. The first couple days where we had the self-advocates talk, parents talk, organizations meet with us. I thought that was very empowering for them. And it showed that we can be empowered listeners and just be able to absorb the information without taking immediate action so that we are actually doing something. And when we do take action, it is relative to the needs and not relative to what we automatically think jumping to a conclusion or, you know, stepping in right away without thinking of what the after effects can be or if that's even sustainable for them. So really listening, I feel like was very empowering for parents, for the advocates, And for us as listeners, because sometimes we think that we're not doing anything by not automatically stepping in, but listening is doing something and it is empowering others. Essentially, SkillCore is about collaboration. This program is designed to transform the way in which we come together as humans to solve major social challenges. SkillCore is about bridging the gap in awareness and acceptance of autism at a global scale. It's about working together across cultural, language, and professional differences. The Global Autism Project's model of do with, not for, informs all of our work, whether it's collaborating with our international partners to produce sustainable outcomes or elevating autistic voices to approve autism services. Here's the team sharing what they've learned about global collaboration. With global collaboration, I have learned that it is just so important to be having those conversations and having those conversations with everyone, having conversations with the people that might be resistant or hesitant to listen, having the conversations with people that have the same bigger vision 
that you do, those conversations are important to happen with every single person that you come across because some people may have not even thought about (laughs) what the bigger picture is. And some people may be thinking about it day by day, but don't know how to take action. And some people are taking all of this messy action and don't know how to take a step back and think things through and be able to navigate how we can really make things function. So every community, there's something that we can learn from them, something that they can learn from us. And I think that's the main goal with collaboration is that it's a partnership, not one person doing all of the teaching or all of the receiving. There's always growth that can be made with everybody involved. We only know by really taking the time to listen and understand what the needs are so that we can then work together to move forward because someone else's idea of what's best for them or what's best for their community might not fully align with what my projecting of what I think might be best for them would be. And that's usually due to a lack of understanding. So being able to work with people, allow them to teach us knowing what it is that they're wanting to gain from those experiences and then allowing them to function without us present is so important because we don't want to be the people that are just coming in and then stripping people of all the resources once we leave. We want people to be able to continue to function and flourish independently from any other organizations and functioning toward what it is that they're wanting to accomplish. No one country is doing everything perfect. And There's a big opportunity to learn from each other. West isn't best. We should all be learning from each other anyway, as just humans. So if we continue to have these conversations, it's no different, like if you compare it to business networking and reaching out to other people and other business owners and other maybe people in your same profession, and it's no different. It's just now it's global. I was at a table with Action for Autism, and and I don't remember the gentleman's business name, but he was doing a lot of the diversity, equity, inclusion work and trying to figure out how they all collaborate and how they all work together because they seem to have a better ecosystem. There wasn't competition. There wasn't, it was like, we get funded this way. This is how we get funded. This is how we work together to make sure that, you know, people with disabilities get jobs. It didn't matter what the marginalized community was. I think Al spoke to all of the different populations that they work with to try to get jobs at Lemon Tree and things like that. And I, there does seem to be more of a family or communal or tribal or however you want to look at it, collaborative approach that was different than here in the U.S. When you go in, you ask those questions and you ask, what do you need? What is out there? And Sankita did a perfect job of this, getting the autism self-advocates to get up and talk and then bringing in the people that support them. And that was the perfect example right there. She wasn't trying, she just wanted to know what else is out there and how they could all work together. And it wasn't like, no, we're just going to do it this way and we want you to join us to do it this particular way. It was like, no, 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 let's see what, what is everybody up to and how can we best serve, feels like all of Northern India. A lot of the things that are happening at home are also happening other places and vice versa. And although there were some differences, there were a lot of similarities and a lot of things that are being implemented in India are incredible and kind of, I guess, beyond what I imagined. 
And we can truly use ideas that people are using in other countries and bring them back home, as well as using some of our ideas and collaborating. So it's really all about communication and learning what's happening, what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all humans and understanding that we have basic needs and then we have needs that kind of go beyond our own abilities. And that's where the community comes in and strengthening that sense of community. And I think that India has such a beautiful sense of community and just embracing that. And there are still, you know, some stigmas. And I think there are parents that still are kind of missing some pieces of their autistic son or daughter and encouraging that listening with families as well and encouraging their participation to come to the events like the self-advocate dinners to the parent trainings with an open mind. And, you know, it opens up conversations and that your neighbors may be going through the same thing that you're going through and that we don't have to shut our doors because of a diagnosis, that we can listen and share our own stories. I've learned to look at solutions from a global perspective. For instance, India requires all companies to hire 3% of employees with special needs. I learned so much from the diverse perspectives. I appreciated learning about the Eastern mentality, and I've brought this viewpoint home with me. I've learned that we probably do have a mentality of doing four, even though maybe we might, we might think that we don't. And so shifting that is really, really important. On the trip, we did an, a dinner where we had autistic adults coming to share their views. And it was really important to hear their views on employment in terms of what's worked for them and what hasn't worked and what are their what are their hurdles and what things would they like to change. We needed to hear that first before we could go forward with the next steps of putting together a training presentation to help with this. Part of doing with is really listening and making sure that you're hearing people's voices and not making decisions for them because it's them that are living that experience. So you need to listen to them. I think there's sometimes always an expectation of come in and do this for us. And, and, and again, that's not always an expectation. And I think everyone uh, is, again, doing great work. I just think it's always tough to come to the table and understand that this is going to be a big team effort with the understanding that the local teams, the advocates, self-advocates, uh, clinicians at the place of origin are going to be the ones that will be largely leading the charge. And so I think just always talking about cultural sensitivity and cultural responsiveness is just being aware of what that means and how that will impact uh, clinical products, clinical outcomes, quality of life outcomes, et cetera. Part of why I wanted to volunteer with Global Autism Project was because of the do with not for mindset. And I think it's much easier to go somewhere and check something off of a list and come back home. But you don't see lasting change necessarily with things like that. Whereas what Global Autism is looking to do with these projects, with this global collaboration and really like empowering individuals in different places to be able to do things for themselves, um, it takes time because it takes getting people on board and it takes having conversations and really learning like what is the need here? How can we support well to support you in doing this, not people just come in and do it for you. 
when I applied for Skill Corps, I had actually been looking for Skill Corps, I like to say. I was had learned all about, you know, white saviorism and, you know, about how a lot of these trips can really do things that are more damaging than they are helpful. So I think in theory, I felt like I already knew about this, but then actually being there and going into the trip and fighting with my expectations of wanting to have a permanent product, wanting to, you know, just do something simple and feel like I accomplished something when the goal is really to listen, to set the seeds and help them grow so that they can grow on their own. So I think it shifted to being like, even if you think you already know, you really don't, you have to keep going. You have to really try. And I think it's something that without seeing it, without doing it, it can be really hard to do it right. I think even some some of us who were there constantly wanted to, you know, thought that we knew the answers, thought that this was a country that needed our help and we were the Americans and we were coming in and we were going to do blah, 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 blah. Not that everyone was American, but I think, you know, taking that step back and seeing that the strengths that, that they've already done and the gains that they've already made, seeing that we can learn from them as well, I think was so impactful for me. SkillCore is a unique opportunity for personal growth and professional development. Every step of the journey is designed to provide each member with valuable insights into themselves and their potential in the world. At times, transformation isn't apparent until weeks or even months after the volunteers have returned home. Here are some of Team India's reflections on how they've grown personally and professionally. As far as professional growth, it's expanded my scope. I I think I always think of myself as a clinician and I am now considering myself uh, more of an advocate and that's adding just so much more to my clinical practice because now when working with families and advocating for them and the kids and all that, it's something that I think has just vastly expanded my impact factor because I think we just have sometimes a narrow scope of what it means to help others. And while I like to think I'm a good clinician, I'd like to also think that I'm a good advocate. And so just being able to bring that to the table as well is only going to improve clinical outcomes, quality of life outcomes, really just the whole lifespan development when it comes to working with these children and families. I can speak for a lot of people in this field that we don't necessarily do this for a paycheck. I mean, if it was for a paycheck, I think there are far more lucrative areas to be working in. That said, I think we we kind of mire ourselves in the professional methodologies, procedures, what have you. And there's so much more to advocacy across the whole day. You can impact real change in all settings, everywhere you go, by just using your voice and speaking up for those that may need a little more support. And again, it's not a, I hesitate to use the word need. These individuals are wildly capable and extremely talented of doing it themselves. But I think we just need more people behind them and amplifying their voice. And so in short, what expanded my perspective and understanding what I'm taking back is just really what it means to advocate and how to, again, kind of work with not for individuals. I feel like I have grown professionally in so many different ways. Through Skill Corps, there have been a lot of pieces of information, a lot of ways of approaching conflict that I've carried back with me, both working with other staff and coworkers, as well as working with my clients on a day-to-day basis. I feel like I've been more equipped with providing guidance for a multitude of different backgrounds, 
which I think I was okay with before, but this has given me that real life application of it, really meeting people from all over the world and being able to support and learn from the people around me. And it's also just given me more confidence in having this bigger vision because I think in the day-to-day, we get stuck in the Monday through Friday, nine to five routine and knowing that it doesn't have to be just that, that there's so much that we can do in our communities, in our country and around the world. It gives me a, a little bit of that invigorating excitement to keep moving forward and to keep doing what we're doing, but on a, on a larger scale. So the initial trip that I had gone on, I was growing a lot in my own confidence in embracing just who I know myself to be as a person and trying to figure out a little bit more of who that is. Whereas moving into the next few trips, building more connections with other people, figuring out how I relate to people and how people might be able to relate to me has been really empowering. And knowing that I can do that with my friends and peers around here as well. And just overall feeling better about myself and about the work that I do. I think that who I am as a person is very much integrated to who I am as a professional, because when we get into these caretaking and therapeutic roles, there is so much overlap. I always joke that I'm the therapist of my friend group, which is true by profession, but also in the smaller networks of people. So I just feel like I'm learning a lot about myself and growing day by day. There are things that I've learned in each trip that I may not have fully resonated with or may have not fully heard the first time. So every time I've traveled and every time I talk with any one of you, I feel like I'm getting a little bit more than I did the first time. I was not a public speaker. I still kind of chirp over my words, but this experience has helped me grow professionally with standing up for myself, having a voice and having articulating myself the proper way professionally. I definitely think that I've outgrown my current position and I am definitely willing to take on bigger projects because of this trip with India. I think just in my confidence and my voice, I shared with Molly at the orientation about just the power of asking and how I've grown from that. And I talked to her about how as a child of immigrants, we're taught to assimilate usually and just kind of fit in. Don't don't do anything that's going to make you stick out or that might bring too much attention. Don't ask for anything that's not given to you and that kind of thing. So really learning how to advocate for myself and others, ask for things that I want. I think that's been a huge thing, just learning to ask. And actually in my agency that I work for, I was able to get our Spanish-speaking RBTs a raise because I asked. I said, hey, I see that this isn't a thing. Can we do this? And they were like, yeah, of course. And then I was able to help initiate that and bring that to fruition and, you know, have like a a system of testing and verifying and fluency and all of that and, and get them a raise. This experience has really allowed me, I think, to tap into some of my skills that I wouldn't normally have to. I always think about the ways that this helps me grow in terms of clinical experience or working with my learners. But really the biggest takeaway or the biggest growth opportunity that I've had is in having those difficult conversations, in talking about those kind of maybe taboo things that 
people are avoiding in conversation or not wanting to bring up those subjects with parents, with learners, with the people that we encounter every day. And so I think that's the biggest area of growth that I've had that opportunity to kind of be thrown into that and to be forced to be a little uncomfortable and to have those difficult conversations in those moments to help those people or to get to a root of an issue and then to take back with me into my professional life, the ability to kind of dive into those those taboo subjects. Professionally, I think that I grew a lot from this experience. I think that I understand a lot better now how I, as a provider in the field of ABA, can make a huge difference for the people that I work with and how I can really listen more intentionally and really just empower my clients so much more and really just focus on the skills that they already have and just continue to grow and build from there. And that is going to just continue to make the field of ABA so much better by listening to autistic voices, listening to people with lived experience and taking their input and making changes as necessary so that this incredibly powerful science can be utilized in an ethical and positive way that's just going to continue to be a tool for people with autism rather than something that is traumatic or difficult for them. And as a provider, I feel like after this trip, I have such a clear picture of how I can do that for them. Personally, I've really been inspired to just continue to do, to use my experience and a lot of things that I've wanted to work on and just go for it and just do it and reach out and take advantage of any opportunity that's thrown at you. So my plans to go to India changed rather quickly and I just, you know, whatever is meant to be is meant to be and everything happens for a reason. And I just embraced the opportunity to go to India. So I think that itself just like aided in my personal growth that, you know, it's okay to take chances and that there is a need all around the world. And we just go for, you know, where the need to collaborate is. So definitely being more open to different opportunities and really listening. I think a lot of times when we hear things, we want to react and we want to respond, but recognizing that sometimes just listening is enough and letting all the information process. So I feel like throughout the trip, a lot of emotions, a lot of experiences were just on my mind and I didn't even know how to respond. And I just let myself take it in and be present in the moment. And back home, I'm used to going, going, going and doing a million things at once. So I've definitely grown in my own like bubble and like, it's okay to sit and wait and yeah, just take whatever comes. I think I've grown personally in a lot of ways as well. I really have a habit of being like one-minded maybe is a good way to put it. I feel like if something is supposed to be very action focused and very analytical, then I can only see it that way. And if something is more, you know, open and abstract and that's fine, I can do that. But I think I have trouble when it comes to like mixing those two things. I really like 
things to be specific and in their box. And I think the trip itself is really meant to be every single hat and completely out of the box. So I think personally, just being more flexible with that and taking my abstract and my more for lack of a better term, woo-woo skills and using them in situations that are also action-based and analytical was something that was like really important to me. And something else I think that I learned is I have a habit, like so many of us do, to really want to stand out and like I want to prove myself. And I really challenged myself that trip to try to take a step back and learn from others and just offer when I really feel like I was adding rather than trying to seem like I'm the smartest or the most experienced or things like that. I think that's something that I struggle with is I just want everyone to see me that way. Not just like a good person, but like the best. And not only does that not matter because I mean, I know that I have skills and other people know it too. And if they don't, that's fine too. But just trying to step back and be more well-rounded and not do things for the sake of standing out, but really listening and learning uh, was something I really challenged myself to do. And I feel like I was really successful. So I can know that I can keep doing that moving forward. I think going into this experience, I needed to learn skills in becoming a bit more direct and assertive with other people, which... I feel coming out of the experience, I really benefited from all of the leadership training. For me personally, I I really enjoyed all of that. And um, I thought it made a lot of sense. In quite some ways, I, I feel like um, actually coming from the trip, I feel a bit revived. So I feel like more get up and go and do things now in the moment, which I think is really good. It's helped me to be a bit more spontaneous and to just go with the flow. So on these trips, you don't know what's happening. You get told quite last minute. And I think maybe some people might have found that quite tricky, but I personally found that really liberating and actually really enjoyed it. So I enjoyed not knowing and I kind of enjoyed just going with the flow and just thinking, well, what's going to happen next? And I knew everything was organized and under control, so I didn't have to think or or worry about that. But so for me, that was personally a really good experience. Throughout the trip, our team engaged in activities to improve their leadership skills building on what they could take back home to serve their own communities. Here are some of their takeaways on exploring their leadership styles. I think I grew in confidence just in my own leadership style. We talked a lot about how there's not one specific type of leader, and I think I do have a lot of characteristics that fall under what you like commonly think of as a stereotypical leader. Um, but I also have a lot of characteristics that I always felt like didn't really fit in that box. And so I came away very encouraged in how to like use those strengths as well in leadership roles because leaders can look very different and a lot of different qualities can support leadership styles. I am very much like a come alongside you kind of leader, I think. I'm not really one that's great at getting up and giving a super powerful speech or a motivational speech. I'm not one that necessarily always wants to be in the spotlight, which is why I've always kind of questioned how that fits into leadership. But I think that I'm very much kind of finding my way as a leader that just wants to come alongside people and empower them and support them in being the best versions of themselves. And I think when you can do that genuinely and do that authentically and really care about the people you're supporting, they do the same for you. And it creates this very good relationship of like, I'm going to lead by example and I'm going to lead by supporting you and empowering you. It's important that the initiative, motivation, and formulation of support needs lays with the party in need of help. 
true leadership is like teaching someone to ride a bike. It's about allowing the individual to step up on that bike independently, guiding, providing help where necessary, and letting go and cheering. There's no right or wrong leadership style, and it's always ever-evolving. So to even hear Sangeeta's story of how where she started and, you know, her journey, like, through the compass and how, like, what that looked like. Yeah, and it can change, and it can shift depending on where you are in life, and all of those things are okay. I think something that I've really learned about leadership is really more of that concept of like raising people up and trying to get them to come to the solutions on their own, especially in my role right now where I know I feel like I'm I'm being a leader. I am the kind of the go-to person to give answers, you know, to really just give the skills, give the tidbits and people can take them and walk away with them. And the people that I work with are really smart. And I think especially at this point, I've given them enough answers. And so I really want to help them lead from themselves and lead from their own ideas and making sure that I'm not just giving people the answers, but I'm helping them become leaders within themselves. It's something that we talk about a lot at SkillCore and something that I really need to work on. So I'm so happy to have learned that there, but it's definitely something I'm like taking with me and still working on actively. I would say that it's taught me that my leadership style is very much a collaborative. I like to do things as a team, but I also really like to get things done as a team as well. I don't just kind of take everything on myself. I want to hear from everyone that I am surrounded with. We can have an idea of the types of leaders that are you know, louder or more outspoken, but I've learned that you don't have to be that. I'm a little bit more observant. So I've learned that that's okay. I can be observant and still be a leader. I can kind of be calm and have my outspoken moments, but not have to be that all the time. So just learning that leadership can look many different types of ways and that people have their own styles in their leadership roles. It was kind of confirmatory that uh, that that comedic relief. I think everyone was kind of saying quite a bit on the trip. I like to keep things light. Sometimes it's not always the most uh, appropriate with respect to levity. That said, I do know that I approach leadership laid back and it's by design. I know sometimes it's easy to say, oh, he doesn't necessarily care. It's quite the contrary. I know that meeting issues and concerns, barriers, et cetera, with being extremely Uh, on top of it and like brudging in and beating down the door is sometimes not the right answer. And so just approaching everything with a cool collected attitude is something that it was just kind of confirming that that's, that's my leadership style. Um, Again, I'm not saying it's always the most appropriate for all scenarios and settings, but that is just uh, it it was just a good confirmation that that's something that I need to continue to lean into because I'm happy to create a comfortable space for people so they can be open and authentic with respect to what might be a barrier for them being their best self or the, an effective clinician or just being a great person. The impact of the SkillCore movement extends beyond the initiatives built upon in the field. At the end of the trip, each team member made a specific commitment to improving employment for autistic adults in their communities back home applying what they learned about sustainability, collaboration, and leadership. 
Team India is a powerful group of active change makers who are creating a lasting impact in the world. Here are a few of their action steps. That was something that I had a hard time coming up with is like, what is my commitment? I work with younger learners for the most part. And I always thought, you know, this doesn't apply to what I'm doing or it's not relevant to to the population that I'm working with. When in reality, I think I'm kind of doing them a disservice by, you know, avoiding the fact that they are going to grow up. They are going to soon be facing these challenges and that if I'm not talking about them, if I'm not bringing them up, then I am, you know, in some ways setting them up to be unsuccessful when they, when they reach that point. So my commitment is to being willing to have those conversations, but to bring that into perspective, I think, for parents and for families and for caregivers that we will reach that point eventually. And what can we be doing in our now to help us be successful when we get there versus kind of pushing it off like that's something to address down the road. So I kind of had two things I wanted to do. One was within my job and then another one was outside of my job. So within my job, it's just making sure I'm having those conversations and setting up goals within my treatment plans that are relevant for my students' wants and needs and for my students that are middle and high school age starting to have those conversations about employment specifically. And so that was one of them. And I've already started that. I actually had a conversation yesterday with a middle schooler about, we started to talk about like, hey, have you thought about jobs? What would you maybe be interested in? And so that was really cool. And I'm excited. I'm going to have to learn a lot because he's really into video games and AI and all of that, which I know nothing about. So I'm going to have to have him teach me while we kind of figure out how he can continue to explore that, which is cool. I'm excited for that. And then it just kind of made me aware of how little I know about resources in Chattanooga specifically after people graduate from high school, because I've always worked on like the younger side of things in this area. And so I'm trying to start asking some questions um, with the goal of being able to then, once I kind of have a better picture of what the need is in this area, I have a lot of connections through some of my like extracurriculars with a lot of people in town that own their own businesses. So I'm going to Once I have a better idea of the need, start trying to plan like coffee dates and lunch dates with people to have a conversation with them about like, does your company hire individuals with autism and what would that look like? Which I'm really excited about. I have a lot of very supportive people in my circle, so I'm excited to be able to have those conversations with them. I actually work in two day hub facilities that from the day I started working there, I felt like they don't do enough. It's great for social They make friends, you know, they do fun things, but I think for feeling like they're making a difference, they're making a contribution and anything really work or more vocational related isn't there. And as much as I would love to help more of my individuals find jobs, there are a lot of restrictions to that. They're immigrants. A lot of them don't speak English. You know, their families are extremely low income, rely on their Medicaid. It's a whole spiel. We don't have to get into that part right now, but overarching is I really, really want to create something that we can do here. So the idea that I've come up with to be very specific, because I love specifics, is a coffee shop. We actually have a pretty big office here. And I think it'd be so easy to make some cold brew, to get some fun sugars and to have them for a couple hours, a couple mornings a week, just sell coffee super cheap to the office. I've already like, you know, found all my Amazon links. I'm like ready to present it. So, you know, I mean, fingers crossed everybody that it gets approved and the individuals like it. But I think I wanted to do something really permanent. I've been really struggling in this role to find something that I wanted to do and felt like it was going to be impactful. I think this is like a small step in that direction that 
feels really manageable and like I can actually do it. So, you know, I'll send a pic to the group chat of the first coffee shop day. Hopefully, hopefully something like that will happen. And then second is just seeing myself as an advocate. I don't think I had ever really called myself that before or considered it. I fell into this field and I, I really love it. And, you know, I mean, I went on this trip, so it's not like I'm not thinking about these things, but I've definitely never considered myself that and taken that role on like fully. So that's definitely something that I'm going to look to see how I can continue to do that and really advance those skills and do more, you know, at a local level. Firstly, I came to realize during the trip, because I work with children and not with adults, I don't actually know very much about the services available for adults in the UK. So one of the things I wanted to commit myself to was at least finding out about that and seeing what services are available and what do they look like and maybe how do they compare to what we saw in India. I also am committed to taking four of my new leadership skills and applying them in my job and um, it's particularly the questioning process and listening and using that to help me collaborate with other people. I also, um, so I've always wanted to open an ABA clinic because we don't have them here. But now I feel a bit more inspired that I could maybe look into that a bit more and see what grants are around and see if there's something I could do, maybe not right now, but in the in the future. It's always been a dream, but I've always thought I can't do that. It's, you know, I don't have the money and all this sorts of stuff. But now sort of hearing Sangeeta, I sort of think maybe I could, maybe I can at least explore what grants are around and what funding might be available, even just to open up something very, very small. My commitment to the community is taking these clinics that I'll be kind of spearheading with this company and embedding them in the community rather than just having another space for children to receive ABA services. I think these places can be beacons of advocacy. They can be so much more to give the, to the community rather than, and again, it's not saying that this company or any companies are like uh, profit machines, but I think they look to do a service and do it well. And beyond that, it's kind of up to the provider to what degree they want to expand on that. But I, I'd like to take what I've learned about advocacy and make the clinics someplace that people can look to, to improve quality of life for all persons affected by ASD. And again, not just a, it's not just going to be a workplace. It's going to be a place where you can reach out. Will we always have availability for providing services? No, but can we point you in the right direction? Yes. Will we have the staff to meet the needs that is recommended? hopefully. But what can we do to put you in contact with advocates, families, just really everything that can be done to improve the quality of life again for people who are affected by ASD? My commitment being here now has become having more of those conversations. And I would like to actually host a gathering of people. There are a few select organizations that I know that are already employing people with neurodivergent needs. And I want to make that more of an intention to link those individuals with people that are looking for employment. Like I said, there's not a lot of that happening right now. So I've actually talked with one of my employers about hosting something and they said that they would be on board to help me in whatever way, whether it's using that space to get people together or to help reaching out to people. And then there's another nonprofit that I work with that I'm also 
hoping to get them incorporated as well to start having those conversations and making those connections. SkillCore alums often tell us how they wish they would have embarked on their journey sooner. Many have hesitations about fundraising, requesting time off, or traveling abroad for the first time. It's completely valid to have these reservations before diving into the unknown. Here are a few team members sharing how they overcame their fears. I was scared that I wouldn't be able to get out of my own way, even though, you know, I went through fundraising and everything, which brought me out of my shell to an extent. But I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to put myself out there. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's such a large group. And I know that that's also kind of new, but it definitely, despite there being a larger group, my voice was able to be heard and I was able to have some significant contributions to the conversation, which made me feel great. I didn't think I'd connect with anyone. Again, with it being such a a big group, I was able to connect with, I think, everyone in my group. So that was really big for me as well. It was amazing. I loved it. At first, I had heard about it from one of my professors in college, and it was like, a, okay, I'm going to do that one day thing, but it was always just not the right time because it's a long time to think about like, okay, can I take that time off work? And I don't know what's going to be going on. And especially in the ABA field, it feels like there's always something happening where it's like, can I really be away? Is it going to be okay? So I put it off for a little while because I was like, it's just not the right time. And then I finally decided It's never going to be the perfect time. I just need to decide this is the time and I'm going to do it. So that was kind of the first hurdle, I think. And then the second one was just the fundraising, which I feel like is a lot of people's one of the areas of concern for us. But I don't know. I We were very well supported with the fundraising and I had an easier time with it than I anticipated because for me, it felt like I was fundraising for something bigger than myself. So it was a lot easier for me to feel like I could have those conversations with people and ask those things because it was more than just a me thing. So that was something that I was worried about, but then ended up going better than I thought it would. I think if I had any hesitation, it was more for myself as someone who's constantly like imposter syndroming myself. It was more like, can I do this? Should I do this? Am I qualified to do this kind of thing? So it's more those narrator, like internal thoughts. And then just affirming myself, like, I can do this. I was chosen for this, so obviously I'm qualified. And then just being there around so many like-minded people uh, with similar values, I think, was very reassuring. When I was at orientation, Molly showed us this quote by a woman who's running for president. Her name's Marianne Williamson. Yes, I cannot remember her last name. Um, But there was this little line that said, who are you actually, who are you not to be? And I was like, that's true. Because we all think like, who am I to be confident, to be traveling, to be a leader, to be whatever. So flipping it and saying like, who am I not to be these things was very powerful for me. So now I feel I have it written down, like who am I not to be? So that was really like, it really resonated with me. I had a lot of fears and concerns prior to doing it. I had actually applied and gotten accepted and then got scared and let my my negative thoughts get the best of me and decided not to travel. And I continued to think about it for a whole year. And 
I decided if I'm still thinking about this a year later, I need to just do it. But some of those thoughts and concerns that were difficult for me the first time around was the fundraising was a big one. I was not confident in myself that I can raise the money to volunteer and I wasn't confident in myself that I can pay for it either. So that was a big one for me was really overcoming that scarcity mindset around money, which I've really just always struggled with in my life. And then the second one was that I had so many concerns about safety. I had never traveled internationally and especially not with a group of people that I didn't really know. So I had a lot of concerns about safety, especially being a young woman in a different country where I didn't really know anyone. And I think those were kind of the two biggest concerns that really led me to not follow through the first time that I applied. However, I am incredibly grateful that I was able to overcome those things and volunteer the second time that I applied because it shattered all of those scary thoughts and those negative beliefs. And it was an incredible experience. And finally, here's Team India's advice for future Skill Corps travelers and anyone on the fence about submitting their application. Just do it. Do it scared. Do it even if you're doubting yourself. It's so empowering and so humbling at the same time. We think we know things and, you know, it's also empowering to say like, I don't know that. Let's talk it through with with parents or self-advocates or, you know, getting ideas from the way other people do things. We're all professionals. So collaborating on that skill. I just learned a lot from other people even other members that were part of our team and getting to know professionals in other states and having building those relationships. So I'd say just just go for it. it it's hard, especially starting out. Fundraising is hard, or maybe they're really good at it. I don't know. I wasn't great at it, but that was like my first hurdle. But just keep going with the flow, stay the path, and it, it turns out all right. I think it's so worth it. For those that might be thinking about it but haven't applied, do it. That's what I would say. Um, it's going to be radically perspective shifting in so many ways, personally and professionally. For those that have signed up and maybe like, oh, what am I getting myself into? Bring an empty cup. Don't bring expectations. I think we sometimes think, oh, we're going to a different country as a vacation or so on and so forth. And I'm not just saying, I mean, I have a blast. Um, I actually prefer to do this over most vacations. That said, I think when you come in with how something should be, uh, especially in a foreign country with a lot of other people and personalities, I think you might be setting yourself up for disappointment. And then that disappointment can then sometimes bleed into your experience. And so, um, and again, I'm not saying don't, you know, expect to have a lot of fun, expect to meet a lot of great people and expect to do a lot of great work. I'm not saying that. I just would say uh, for the sake of expecting um, everything to go according to plan. That's something that I think we should all just leave always because even in our personal and professional lives, that never happens. So just being flexible, being open, bringing an empty cup. Learning to go with the flow is an art <laughs> for sure. And leaving any kind of preconceived notions of what it is that you're actually going to be doing because anything that you end up doing, you're just supporting the partnering organization, whatever that looks like to them. 
like I had no idea that we would, you know, a lot of those things that we weren't told ahead of time that we were going to have those dinners and set up things and it doesn't matter. We're just there for the greater good. So if you can keep that kind of open, then the rest of it just kind of falls in place. My advice would just be to go for it. If you have a colleague and your gut is telling you that this is something that you can do and that you should do, I say go for it 100%. There's no reason not to. And if you do get accepted, just make sure that you have a couple coping mechanisms or things that keep you really grounded in your pocket. The days are really long and you're doing a lot of stuff and you're interacting with a lot of people and there's not a large amount of time for alone time. So I would just prep yourself on knowing what keeps you calm and what keeps you motivated and keeping a smile on your face if you can. Just like knowing that going into it. But I think just overall, go for it and be big, be bold. Do it. You'll be challenged outside of your comfort zone and the positive results will warm your heart beyond measure. To future skill corps travelers, I would say be open with different opportunities that things will not go as planned and you will get uncomfortable, but know that you're not traveling alone, that everyone on your team has such a big heart and are willing to be a part of something incredible. That's why they're there, right? So even though it's going to feel strange that you're traveling to a country that you may have never been before and you're traveling with people you've probably never met before, you're all here for a reason. And to go in open-minded and to speak up and be vulnerable because this is something new and something incredible. And even if you think of all the reasons, you know, why it may or may not change your life, or you think of how things will go, like throw everything out the door because it'll be something that you don't expect. And that's okay. And kind of sit with that and be comfortable, be uncomfortable, allow your emotions to just be, let it be. And know that you're making such an impact in so many ways throughout your trip. Sit with it, reflect on it when you're home, maybe on the plane ride home. Journal if you have time to journal and just kind of let things process. You don't have to be hyper-focused on what's going on with your own thoughts and emotions. Just kind of let it be. I think it's a great time to kind of turn off your expectations and turn off your mind. I always say I have multiple tabs open in my brain at all times. So it was nice to be able to close out those tabs and just be in the moment. Also, this trip will allow your voice to be heard too. So speak up of how you're feeling. If you're feeling uncomfortable, if you have an idea, um, talk about it. Just engage in that conversation. We're all here for global collaboration. So, you know, talk about how you're feeling, talk about your experiences and yeah, just get excited. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. I hope you enjoyed going on this journey with Team India. Now you have a better idea of the growth and transformational experiences that can happen on a skill core trip. To learn more about the employment initiatives we focused on during our trip, listen to episode 150. 
featuring our CEO, Molly Ola Pinney, our partner at Sorum, Sangeeta Jain, and two autistic self-advocates and various NGO representatives who attended outreach events we hosted in Delhi. Do you have a personal or professional connection to autism? Are you looking to collaborate with others on a meaningful, life-changing adventure? See what Skillcore can offer you. Again, we're currently taking applications for trips in 2024. Join us today at skillcore.globalautismproject.org and use the coupon code AUTISMPODCAST to waive the application fee. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.